Welcome back to This Film Not Rated, a branch of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network, where we try to not rate movies that we have seen. Uh, the internet seems to think that there is an objective truth to film, and we're out there to prove them wrong by going through a series of questions and a gauntlet. If we cannot get through those questions, then we just drop the gauntlet altogether and talk straight about the movie in question. This week, however, Eric is in the gauntlet. And Eric, what are we talking about today? A murder mystery about the death of a murder mystery author that causes a murder mystery about a fan of murder mysteries. Knives <laughs> out. Yes. Let's just go ahead and jump right into this. Uh, Eric, is Knives Out a good or bad movie? Every time I've spoken to someone who has seen the movie, they've used positive adjectives to describe it. People have used positive adjectives when you have spoken to them. You're not. Okay. Okay. Fair. What's the best scene in the movie? A question that will potentially have me be buzzed from <laughs> the show. There are a few staples that are traditional in certain murder mystery stories. A parlor scene, uh, interviews with suspects, and the sort of encompassing reveal of the details of the death. This movie has a special feature in which the actor who plays Harlan Thrombay and uh, comments on his work and Ana de Armas having to pull off the scene of the character's death mm -hmm. and pull the emotion out of it and pull the cause out of it. And they have to turn an exposition scene into the answer to the mystery. If you take it out... You don't have a full movie. I'm trying to think if there's one person in a million that could disagree with that. You know, if you yeah. don't have that, all you have is the other character's yeah. speculation yeah. at what happened. Mm -hmm. So, And his death is the story of the movie. Yeah. Now, so, if you take out that scene, I think, this is, I think this is what you're getting at. If you take out that scene, uh, why, while you may have a similar story, you have a very different movie so without that scene yes. you don't have this movie i think is what you're getting yes at. i would say that the actors have talked about how it was the most demanding on them and mm -hmm. it's in so necessary to the story i i actually don't think that unless you get that one person who's not paying attention maybe but if, if i'll tell if, you what Let's buzz me out here. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that that is the best scene in the movie. Okay. But to be honest with you, I think my favorite scene in the movie mm -hmm. is the interview sequence. Ah, okay. going like through the characters and um, Daniel Craig hitting the key mm -hmm. to yeah. uh, move them along. Oh yes, no, like like that's something I that is something I did notice this second time because I, I I haven't seen this movie since theaters, so watching ah. it with fresh eyes for the first time oh. and then like just 
That, that was one of the first things that I noticed is that when, when, whenever during the police interviews, for the second round of police interviews, whenever someone was, was veering off topic, ding. It's like, hey. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and the entire time he's, he, he's just covered in, in, in shadow. He's, he's the man that no one know, knows about. Benoit Blanc. Mm-hmm. I'll stop which, doing that. I'm not going to do that sometime. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, I tried finding interviews today to find anything about this. And I, the most I got was this Thanksgiving dinner thing that they were doing. Because I think this came out around Thanksgiving in, in, in 2019. But uh, And then I, I, I watched this uh, or listened to a breakdown of, of, of the eat shit scene. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like the most that I could find, but uh, uh, it's like, edited bizarre. He points at more people than are actually in the room. Yeah, and he breaks, like Brian Johnson brings this up. Uh, Chris Evan breaks, uh, like the 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 eye line, several times. But there are also mm-hmm. so many people in the room that Brian Johnson was like, "Well, he's breaking the line, but also there's a lot of people in in in, in the room. So who's gonna notice?" Which I, I did. Oh well, okay, you did. I did it. <laughs> You're a stickler for shit like that, but uh, you know, yeah. apparent. Well, apparent, I mean, it's a murder mystery that's mm-hmm. that's reveling in the clues and the right. details. So now, now, a fun thing that I initially thought that 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 I, that I found out today was that line was uh, changed day of shooting because originally in the script he says "fuck you, fuck you, fuck you" to everyone, but then Ryan Johnson, but then Ryan Johnson thought, wait. I want this to be a PG-13 movie. I, I think this is, like, common. It, it, the movie itself is inspired by multiple Agatha Christie novels, it, it, which I think kind of shows. But yeah, there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of like, details that I noticed this time around. Uh, I don't know, like, a lot of set, a, a lot of setting up and paying off to, like, the smallest degree. Even the baseball that, that Ransom walks in with has, has like, a visual... Uh, line where, where it goes through that eventually leads to Mont Blanc picking up the baseball, throwing it so the dog can catch it and seeing the piece of debris that the dog brought to him. Like, ah, uh, like it's, it's so meticulously written and directed. It is. It's really well drafted. It's surprising that it's like, it's an idea that was gestating in Ryan Johnson's head and mm-hmm. with his a producer uh, and the both of them were kind of playing with when they were going to do this movie. They both just thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And after The Last Jedi, they were in post-production and they were just thinking about what project was going to be the right next one. And they were like, I, I think it's time to do Knives Out. Yeah. And it was it was a it seems like it was a really not simple, uh, but like surprisingly compact sort of production. I mean, if they were in. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about this. I think it was Massachusetts. They found like two locations for the house. Yeah. One of them is the exterior. One of them had the library and the interior. Mm-hmm. And the production designer worked on piecing that together. And the casting process was one of the biggest things. Where gradually people folded in. Chris Evans begged to be in the movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, people just naturally folded together. There's all these fun little tidbits like Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. and uh, Donald... Nash Bridges. Okay. Um, natural Chemistry. Mm-hmm. Johnson. Don Johnson. They um, just felt like they could play a married couple because they knew each other forever. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I tried to do a thing today, and I left it to the other thing, where on a legal pad, I put out clues to help me try and navigate the gauntlet that weren't my answers. 
mm-hmm. that pulled pulled out of all the special features. Uh, so some of the, like the notes that I took were um, Ricky Lindholm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know the actress that I'm talking about? Ricky. She's great uh, with her music and and so many other things. Okay. Uh, she's actually good at the Big Bang Theory too. But she's Michael Shannon's wife in the movie. And I've now watched it a third time, and I, 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 I she has, she's, she's barely there. She is lost yeah. in an ocean of everybody else. Yeah. Even their son, mm-hmm. their son being the the actor from it, yeah. uh, Jaden Martell. Yeah. He almost had uh, like as little presence as she did, but he ad libbed. A line calling the uh, Marta the lead actress an anchor baby, and mm-hmm. they yeah, it was like I think it was Michael Shannon like in the crowd of people yelling initially <laughs> when they recorded that he ad libbed that and he heard him mm-hmm. and he was like Ryan, you got to hear this line, uh-huh. and I wonder if that kid felt like he was about to get like in trouble, <laughs> but then that's why they redid the scene and let him have that line stick out right. So that no, he like, would play his thing. Everyone in that house is a piece of shit for the most part. Like no one, like like everyone tries to come off as uh, as a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, they're flawed and they're exaggerated flawed, so that they can yeah. be just shy of being clue pieces. Yeah, but I, I, it's I the same thing in the costuming. Yeah. But like uh, you, the line appears twice where uh, it, it was Michael Shannon and some other person said, "I think you should have been been at the funeral, but but I was outvoted." It feels like they were trying to say something to make her feel to like to to not make her. You feel... know what I didn't catch? Hmm? I'm ashamed about this, but I didn't catch this till the third time mm-hmm. that um, Don Johnson's character says her family's from Paraguay, then says her family's from Uruguay. Then Chris Evans is like the Brazilian nurse. Uh, Nobody in the house actually knows where Adonar, where where Marta right. and her family are from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so it's it, it's it, it it's 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 weird. Like like on on first inspection, you might think that that he's poking fun at one group or another, but literally, it's just this is one family, and they're all just different levels of bad. Yeah, uh, I think there's a, there's a certain amount of toxicity, and everything was about yeah, you know, the toxicity and greed and other things that underlie these people, and and what makes person someone a good person and driving their decisions and whatnot, mm-hmm. and that's what's so surprisingly thoughtful about it because on the surface it's just a murder mystery laced with humor, yeah, and I don't think it tries to be much deeper than that. I think its primary goal was to entertain an audience, and that's the line where something like that works because. You can feel that it's not attempting to make you think one thing or another. It's just trying to entertain you, right? Uh, just like speaking of of Michael Shannon, I like uh, get kind of impressed with his acting in in this one. He plays kind of, like kind of a quiet and laid back character, and like every other thing that I'm I've I've seen him in, he's shouting at the camera in in pure anger. I guess, but like also I guess like well. Also in Bullet Train, he's he's kind of like reserved, but like he's very angry in in uh, that one too. This one, he's just kind of like, but like he's pretty he's pretty calm in Shape of Water up until he starts shouting. But yeah, but in, in Superman, he's like constantly angry. He's out uh, on a vendetta. Yeah, there's there's always uh, mm. like an intensity, and he's always playing right. villains. And so here, he just gets to play this guy who he just seems kind of sad. Yeah, uh, Wal- Walter, I think Thrombe is yeah. his name. 
Yes. And it is a really interesting. It's like he's out of the loop in terms of his child growing up. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to do his best by his dad, but then his dad won't really let him be himself. And everyone teases him for not having built his own thing. Yeah. There's uh, some thoughtfulness behind the scenes about how murder mysteries work and how uh, whether you're watching Columbo or whether you're watching Poirot or Sherlock Holmes. Mm hmm. Uh, not so much in Sherlock Holmes, because he usually is the main character, but then you have Watson, who's usually the author and the voice of those stories. The The detective is not the main character. No. That's the interesting thing about telling a murder mystery versus something else, and why you have the detective go somewhere else, is because you have to design an empathetic main character... Mm-hmm. So that the detective can be more intelligent and be a step ahead of the audience. Right. And that's uh, the cool thing about this. I think Marta's a pretty well-built character. Like My favorite line in the whole movie is when Benoit Blanc is like, the case is like a donut. And your story is like a donut hole in the donut. But then there's a donut hole in the donut hole in the donut. Like, he's yeah. He's going down his, his, his own train train of thought. Not not explaining it, but because because it makes sense to him, and that's all that matters. The house itself, like it it was laced with set dressing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the house that they found, and I think that's why the camera lingers so much on so many details in there, mm-hmm. is because they were basically like, Oh my gosh, look what we found. And they're like Lion Head Bannister and like right. Yeah. But the um the opening shot, the dogs on like the moors running away from the big mansion mm-hmm. is so like Yeah, and it's it was it was purposeful from Ryan Johnson. He says he wanted to set people up, establish a traditional mm-hmm. murder mystery house, murder mystery atmosphere and setting, set up a traditional introduction to clue like characters in the library and the study being interviewed by the police. And then build the non-traditional story from that. And everything borders this line between uh, unrealistic and human. Where, like, the lead character can't tell a lie without throwing up. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that feels a little bit gimmicky. Right. But it's only used as, like, a sort of a setup, a reminder, and a payoff by that rule of three. Yeah. And... It's it's just done really well and really tight. And there's so many little things. Like they they basically tell you who the red herring is at, at the very beginning with uh with the Marta, but uh, like also, you know the <clears throat> joke from the office. Um, it's never the person you most suspect. It's right. also never the person you least suspect. And therefore, <laughs> I choose Phyllis, the person <laughs> I most medium suspect. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's funny because. Yeah, they set up they set up uh Ransom mm-hmm. as like the black sheep of the family as if yeah. he's going to be I almost feel like this has vibes sort of like Scream. Yeah, you know? I can see that. Like he does turn out to be the killer, but it's the motivation is hidden. The the why and the how is hidden. It's it's yeah. the stew of it all that comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's I think what's effective and surprising about it is Everyone is ragging on the Les Jedi about subverting expectations, but then he embraced the perfect medium mm-hmm. for setting and subverting expectations and leaning into that writing harder. 
Right. And it's so funny that, like, not two years after people are railing on him for doing this, do they embrace him wholly for doing the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, eh. Like, the... Uh, and it's not like there's a whole lot of who who done it out there. And like you have a couple of serious ones, like the like like the Agatha Christie films, Murder on the Orient on the Orient Express, and Death on 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 the Nile are are uh, taken fairly seriously. But then you have who done it movies like Clue and and Private Eyes that just make a joke out of the entire thing. Private Eyes is like it has like a weird like special place in. In my history, where like I I I I love that movie, uh, mostly because of how, how. <sighs> so yeah, anyway. the reason we're talking about this is mm-hmm. because it's Noirvember, yes. and a murder mystery feels true to line with that. Mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro once said about film noir that the thing about film noir is not, and this is around the time of Nightmare Alley, it's not in the in the set dressing of. The black and white, the fedora, the the femme fatale smoking, and all of that. Right. the The film noir is in the ugliness of the underbelly of the American dream. Mm-hmm. That's the core that comes from that post war paranoia of people coming back and feeling like they can't trust their country. That roles have changed. That they have to look over their shoulder. Right. And that the pursuit of some people, and so if i'm going to think about this on a deeper level mm-hmm. it's fascinating to me that all these years after having like really old examples of serialized tv shows or novels or anything mm-hmm. that are all pulling at these pulpy ideas of a a, a stand up american citizen that has flaws mm-hmm. is being played or caught up in the web of someone else's machinations mm-hmm. And in modern day, you have the underdog that needs a leg up to get ahead, caught up in the machinations of the stand-up American citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's like a reversal of what justice feels like. And noir never feels like it ends in justice. And so the fact that this does, it's a whole other thing. Oh, yeah. I would not call this movie noir. but Right. And as far as the tropes it plays on, yeah, yeah, that 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 ending shot kind of like like puts a stamp on 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 that too, where where she's on 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 the balcony holding the cup, my house, my my uh, my 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 house, my cup, my rules, or something like like that. And when she's holding it, the first time, like all those three things are covered up by by her three fingers, but when they're uh. But when you when you have, have have that wide shot with them looking up at her and her looking down at them, and then you get that final shot of her ra- uh, ra- of her raising the cup, the only thing that's showing is my house. My house. Yeah. 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 So um, there there are some weird shaky things. I feel like yeah. you know with Looper there are plot holes abound, mm-hmm. but he knows and he doesn't care. The whole thing is to ignore the time travel and to and pay attention to the to the emotional heart of what is happening to the characters and why they're making the choices they're making in that right. moment, not mm-hmm. considering the rest of the things. And uh, it's funny. Joseph Gordon has a credit in here as a detective. I don't know if he's on a radio or where he is. I don't, I, I still haven't seen him. I don't um, remember hearing his voice. 
at all. He's in he's in Brick. He's in Looper. Mm-hmm. He's all over like him and Ryan Johnson. But anyways, yeah. um, but Noah, um, Noah. What's his name? Last name, please. Noah Segan. Sagan, mm-hmm. the trooper who's a super fan of the books. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, also, also in like all of Ryan Johnson's filmography, like he's okay. a, they're another huge thing. But um, yeah, they just, I just, mm-hmm. I, I have so much surprising fun with this. I did, I didn't, I bought this, not sure if rewatching it was gonna have the same return on enjoyability. Yeah, same, same, and. Honestly, the thing that's so great about this to me is the first time you watch it, you're trying to solve the mystery. And so all of the details start to fritter away in your head as you get down to what it feels like the important pieces are. So when you watch it again, and you get to enjoy Tony Collette and Jamie Lee Curtis and all of these other pieces, yeah, you know what their role is. They're just a part of the atmosphere of things. And when I'm not trying to solve the mystery, so much more of their actions has a different meaning. And and it sinks in differently. And then watching it a third time, it's just surprising to me how well the pacing keeps up. How much of a ride yeah. it feels like. Yeah. No, and, it's, um, it's, yeah. Um, so yeah. I would definitely go back to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Just because there is no other whodunit with this many classic staples of that mood mm-hmm. okay that takes itself seriously mm-hmm. that you know is this new or modern you know like the, it, it's there's just yeah there are things like this mm-hmm. but there is nothing quite like this i'm looking forward to glass onion yeah, which, uh, yeah. i hope we'll get to talk about that more and i hope we'll get to talk about that positively mm-hmm yeah, p- apparently, uh, Dan- apparently Dan- Daniel Craig is very on board for doing more stuff with this character. Like, mm-hmm. I think in a in a recent interview, he said there there's no there's currently no limit on the number of movies that he would make as this character. And so there's something about this just clicks with him. But uh, yep, and it, it's one of those like a Hercule Poirot where uh, as as long as you have that one central character, you can make. Any kind of movie that you want with it, so long as it falls into that mystery thing, which mm-hmm. is fine. Like that, I, I think that's what the appeal of of uh, murder mystery is: is is you get to follow this one character that you really like through the series of ever, uh, ever unwinding and ever more confusing events until finally you have that uh, payoff at the end with the parlor scene. Thank you all for listening. Again, we are This Film Not Rated, a branch of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network. I'm Eric. And I am Curtis. You you can follow me on Twitter at 90sGamer407 and on Twitch if I ever start streaming again at, uh, at uh, Merrick underscore And you can follow me at High Contrast FLM and soon from YouTube at High Dash Contrast. Because they're doing that handle thing. Right. Awesome. But I got that one. I got that handle, so. <laughs> I still need to get one for my other channel if I ever decide to do more animation with it. But yeah.